tell you what, I, I kind of feel like I was left out. Not gonna lie, you guys suck. You what said you're gonna come to Vegas. You guys suck though. Still suck. You still say you guys suck. Don't be mad because you think Victor might replace you. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 36 of 2023, and I'm happy to say I'm still COVID-free as of 2023. Yes! I am invincible! That's right. I survived Black Hat, DEF CON, and the SCOVID with almost 3,000 people in attendance there. With me, is that three thousand just Zscaler? Is that three thousand just Zscaler, or is that three thousand with the other two companies as well? It was three. It was almost three thousand with Zscaler plus partners. Okay, gotcha. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to interrupt. Go with for me. It. I love it. It's good to have you back. I ha- with me, I have my co-host Havoc the Mouthpiece, who just could not get enough Vegas last week. So much so, I actually went back yesterday. Boy, that's a lie. I hate it. And by the way, Chris did get COVID. The one time he was actually sick, running around the new hire boot camp, he's like, he's like, <coughs> I'm not sick. It's just allergies. He didn't even test. You had it. You just didn't and want he, to do it. And he had his mask. He had his mask on too, didn't he? Oh, he always has mask on. It was funny. He he rolled up with his team, and he has mask on. And I, and I came up behind him. And I removed the mask, and I was just you know kind of poking fun at him. And there was another guy that just looked at me like, "Are you gonna touch me?" I was like, "I don't know you. I'm not gonna touch you. Don't worry." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he wanted to be touched by you. He might have. Deep. Who, who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be touched by the vanilla gorilla? That's that's right. I, I can, can I could use those people. big palms on the back of my shoulders right now. There you go. <laughs> It's a date, Glenn. Those meat claws. There you go. <laughs> and we have the returning Glenn Medina back on the show this week. Welcome back. But, and well, it's not because I didn't want to be on the show. Let's be very clear about that with our listeners. I was, of the last two, three weeks, I was not invited to, show, to come because you guys were recording live and could not make exceptions for me to be on. So... Just to the listeners out there, it's very unfair, but I get it. No problem whatsoever. We were I recording guess. live because you said you would be in town to record live with us, Jerk. Exactly. That's At least yeah. one of them. To be fair, <laughs> you said you'd join us in Vegas to record live, and you didn't show. So that's not on us. Yeah. Business calls, well, one though, of, right? One of those events, I was I was uh, incapacitated, let's put it that way. I had a, had a medical uh, event that I had to attend to. Glad you're okay. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. No guess this week, we thought it'd be good just to have the three of us again. Through over 100 episodes, we've learned that it's too difficult to sync the show when some people are together, live, and some are remote. Mm-hmm. Combined, we have decades of information security experience here, not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This week, we're going to talk about the FBI accomplishing something for a change. Our good friends at Barracuda are back in the news. For our third topic, a law enforcement agency gets scammed and close with snake oil talk. Ooh, snake oil. Terrible lubricant. 
For our first topic, the US FBI actually did something useful for once and dismantled the Quackbot botnet, which infected over 700,000 computers. The FBI lawfully gained access to the command and control infrastructure of Quackbot, obtained 7 million stolen credentials, seized cryptocurrency totaling $8.6 million, and then sent one last command to the infected computers to uninstall the botnet software. Quackbot is linked to over 40 ransomware attacks, and losses have surpassed $58 million. Now, Quackbot itself was not a ransomware group, but an initial access broker for ransomware groups such as Conti, Egregor, Revol, Megacortex, and most recently, Blackbasta. The stolen credential database has been added to Troy Hunt's Have I Been Pwned service, so people can check if their credentials were stolen by Quackbot. So I like that you said that the FBI actually did something for for, for a change. Uh, you know, how dare you? And uh, so they removed it, but did they patch it, how it got installed, or was it just users just accidentally downloading a piece of malware and installing it? It's probably your usual spam email, drive-by download, click on a bad link, open a bad attachment. That's most likely how it got in, and they just sent the command to uninstall. I don't think they sent any commands to patch the vulnerability. So 700,000 idiots is what I'm saying. Out of the 8 billion people on Earth, that's not really good attach rate. We have to figure out how many are internet connected, and then of those internet connected people, how many people actually have Windows machines. What, what, what qualifies the FBI as legally, lawfully gaining access to command and control? Do they have a warrant? You know, is it they just take over? They just say, hey, we're the FBI, we're taking over. Do they, do they have a judge's approval and all that stuff that's associated with that? I, I, I kind of look at it both ways. Yeah, pretty much. If their command and control infrastructure was in the U.S., Obviously, that's a slam dunk for them. I know they did this in conjunction with Dutch authorities, which might have, if their servers were hosted in the Netherlands or in the EU somewhere, but it was a multinational effort, and the FBI went the lawful route and got a warrant to seize these machines. Nice. So the uh, did you already say that the, where the stolen credentials were posted to yet? Or are you going to wrap up with that, Chris? They're... On Troy Hunt's Have I Been Pwned service, so they, they were lo loaded in there, and if you type in your email address, then you can see if your name showed up in any of these databases. So there's, like, uh, some website, and I think Troy Hunt may have posted it, but he was doing, like, the whole, like, inspect, and he was signing up for an account. Like, it's, it's not Tesla, but it, it looks like it. And apparently, Have I Been Pwned has an API service that when you're going to create an account, that it will call out and we'll see if that username and the password has been used somewhere else. And then it will tell you to change, not, not to use that password, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, they, they do have that API service in, I think, Google Chrome. So Google Chrome doesn't plug into Have I Been Pwned, but Google themselves have a database of stolen accounts. And if you hit save my password to Google Chrome, I think it will actually tell you that you this Username and password has showed up in a breach, and you should use it something different. Have you guys been alerted to that? Have you guys ever been alerted to that? My wife has. Not me, though. It took her a while to catch on to this whole 
I really mean it. I think it was her Ulta Cosmetics. Like, she has an account there. Mm-hmm. And I think twice, like, they had redeemed the points for, like, free stuff, oh, wow. I guess, that you get. And then and then sent it up to someone in Sunnyvale. And I was like, man, was that Guy Moran? And then it wasn't. So. <laughs> and then the Guys last one. your points. <laughs> yeah, the last one's when she, then she took it serious where she's like, wait a second, they store my credit card on file. And whoever the person is that got in there that was redeeming the free points didn't realize that they could have just racked up a bunch of crap and had it sent off to her. So she got that one. Yeah. So do, do either one of you guys know Spanish at all? They know a little bit. Piquito. So when you see this uh, ransomware group, Egregor, wasn't like, how do you, how do you pronounce I in Spanish? Was it Egrega? Isn't it pretty close to that? Uh, it's a Y. Is y. It's y. Yeah. Yeah. Y is E. I is E. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. E and E. E and E. Yeah. See, I was right. Why? Wow, what's going sure on? E. Gregor yeah. is probably not of Spanish origin, would be my guess. Okay. All right. I'm pretty sure it was. I'll have to look it up. Someone on the podcast that's listening knows what the hell I'm talking about. So. Yeah. It's good. At least these guys have gotten kicked off the internet, and they took a bunch of seized a bunch of their money, and alerting people that their credentials might have been stolen. All in a day's work. Yeah. I just checked. Any of you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Go. No, I just checked in. I'm not on that list, so good. I'm on it for Adobe. I think Adobe popped me. Yeah, we should go there address. now. Let's all go to have I been owned. Yeah, okay. have you guys got? You guys stay at the MGM, right? Resort. So if you did, they they had an issue in twenty 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 two, right? Or twenty nineteen? Excuse me. All right, let's try the old work email address first. Oh, I have not I been phoned. Thank God. My personal email that I've used for a long, long time. I showed up in thirty five data breaches and four pastes. Jeez. What a freaking loser, man. Yeah. yeah. Did some it sum it up on you? to cryptocurrency. I think it's no surprise there. LinkedIn. Yep, MGM. I show up here in two breaches in 2019 and 2022. All right. I got I got MGM as well. I got MySpace. Yeah, Twitter. No Twitter for me for some reason. Yours doesn't say Ashley Madison. Definitely. <laughs> Let's try yours, Smarty Pants. <laughs> I had Zynga, uh, Box. I yeah, had the I'm on Zynga as well. Twitter. Yeah. Now my wife, yeah. on the other hand, has twenty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it can happen to us, oh, it can happen to anybody. What's Bitcoin right? Security Forum Gmail dump. She doesn't do any Bitcoin from what I understand. That's interesting. That you know of. That I know of, yeah. yeah she's trying to hide some assets there uh, away from prying eyes, Brian. I'm surprised That's this fine. doesn't have the 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 military. Um, the oh, the OPM? With it. Yeah, the OPM. Because I know this yeah. email was was covered in that. Just that's interesting. I wonder why they don't have that uh, listed. Maybe they might not have loaded that particular database into Have I Been Pwned. 
because they know. <laughs> you, or because of the sensitive nature of it, maybe they didn't want yeah. Troy Hunt Could having be. that information on a on a public database. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of shit. Did you guys see that the ad for uh, a password vault company? That's the first no. thing that's listed on that page. You guys don't see that? Nope. Probably because I have uBlock Origin. You don't see this? Nope. Nope. Oh, uh, well, you have. I have uBlock Origin. Do I have uBlock Origin? Uh, no, it's not on. There you go. That's why. There you go. We gotta get that turned off. Yeah. That's an official recommendation by Who? the FBI. Use a an ad blocker so you don't get hit by these malicious advertisements. Ad. Yeah, yeah. Or have an enterprise browser. <laughs> or that looks like your enterprise browser still showed it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I didn't have it turned on. No, sh- Hush, shut your mouth there. <laughs> so how do you turn it on? Do you kiss its neck? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian. For our second topic, we revisit a topic we talked about a few months ago when Barracuda, the security vendor, notified customers using that were using their email security gateway product that they basically had to throw them in a shredder and, and get new ones. They literally had to rip and replace hardware yeah. because software patches were insufficient. Some new research out of Mandiant, who was called in for the incident response for this particular breach, points to Chinese state actors being behind the attacks. The attackers disproportionately attacked U.S. state and local governments and were more targeted than opportunistic. It's also interesting to note that there is a precipitous increase in infections after the zero day was discovered, but during the Chinese New Year holiday, there were literally zero additional infections during that time. So, hmm, I wonder who was behind these attacks. You know, even even Bat- Batman has to take his cat uh, his cape off every once in a while, so I get it. What? Do, do you guys ever wonder why the U.S. government is using Barracuda? <laughs> For their protections, it's like I can think of like five other companies ahead of them in line to to use for for, for security. I don't know if it's the U.S. federal government, but state and local. So they said local government, cities, tribes, those types of probably you know a lot a lot smaller. Where Barracuda plays more in the SMB space. See, I, I think this is like mm-hmm. a spy versus spy thing. I think they were like, man, sales are pretty crappy. How about? We disinfect ourselves with some really bad stuff, and then we'll use this as an upsell opportunity. Like, you get a free device, or you get the newer, better one, right? Just kind of a forced refresh. What do you guys think? Uh, I... Well, that's the theory around Endpoint AV, right? <laughs> the guys that are doing the protections are also the guys that are creating the malware. I did not know that. Don't make that face. It looked like you just had a stroke, Glenn. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, once the holiday was over, infections started ticking back up again. To make matters worse, the U.S. FBI still says fully patched devices are still vulnerable to attack. Time to look for another email security gateway vendor. Even for already patched devices, it's estimated that 5% of all Barracuda email security gateway appliances have been compromised. So what's 5%? Of a hundred devices. Five, how many? How many think five, they're actually out five, there? 
five customers. <laughs> man, they're all in We Seattle. say that jokingly, man. They were they were in every single airport for like decades. Yeah. As soon as you get off the yeah. uh the jetway. By the way, yeah. So every once in a while I do fly, as you guys may know, but do you guys ever see the people that are in the, the wheelchairs? No. Where? On like at the you, airports? Yeah. At the airport, like the the pre board people that are on wheelchairs. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you guys I don't ever know where see this the, going, But okay. <laughs> do you guys ever see the the miraculous event that happens once once they get down the jetway? They stand up and just walk to their seat. Oh yeah. So I was like the the other day I forget where I was going, but there was there must have been like thirty wheelchairs like <laughs> just lined up, and so they got on and I jokingly told the flight attendant I was like, man, I was like, you see all these miracles happening? And she goes, oh, it's called Jetway Jesus. People just start to rise <laughs> and walk themselves. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, seen it before. it's it's when they get on the plane and they're the first to get off too, right? Because it's like, yeah, wow, I didn't, I didn't, haven't seen them move so fast to get off the plane. So that was something I noticed. So, like when I was getting off the plane, there was like two older people that actually needed the, the wheelchair, but everybody else was gone. So it's Southwest, so you know how boarding goes. I'm a little yeah. bit more in the back of the plane, and so then as I get out and I'm walking to the jetway, there's like a line. Of like, of of wheelchairs, wheelchairs just waiting for people. I'm yeah. like, mm, I think these people don't need it, so you're gonna have to move these things. But yeah, there must have been at least maybe 15, but I think only two of them were gonna be used that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's more common on Southwest because it's the whole first come first serve. Cow herding airline, baby. Yeah, I got nothing against it. I fly them all the time, but the one thing that they did change that's actually kind of nice is that. Do you guys have you guys ever flown like? Uh, on Southwest for like personal stuff where you take your family. It's of course my corporate airline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so like years before, like you would like check in the whole family. Right. And then you would get like, you know, a 29 and then they would get C's. Right. And you're like, damn it. And I mm-hmm. got to try to save seats. Nowadays, when you check in online, your family, as long as they're on the same reservation, they board right behind you. Like, like if you get a 29, mm-hmm. they're going to get 30, 31, 32. So it's pretty nice. Yeah. That's one thing I'll give them yeah. kudos for. Yeah, it's good not to separate families and you know, that awkward situation of wanting to horse trade or saving seats. Man, I, I was the last person on a plane coming back from Vegas yesterday on a Southwest flight. Like, I was like, uh, nobody was making eye contact with me, right? It was only middle <laughs> seats. I'm like, oh, man, I feel so bad. And so then I was like, I was like, two smallest people I can find. And it was some dude and then a lady on the in the aisle. I was like, hey, can I get right here? And they, you know, she let me in and I was like, guys, I promise I'll, I'll sit as small as possible. So I did the whole thing where I have like my, my yeah, elbows like on my arms. knees and, just, yeah. and I'm just, no, they're not T-Rex arms, baby, but they're big. And I just like looking like I'm just sitting there like praying for Jesus. But like, I, yeah, I sat pretty small. I did the right thing. I didn't take any armrests because I'm not a jerk. It's a short flight. It's a short flight. Hello. 43 minutes. Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, man, I can do complain. anything for 43 minutes. So but for yeah. Brian Dietrich, you're supposed to get both armrests in the middle seat. No, no, no. You're right. not, you get no armrest <laughs> if in the middle seat. That's the Brian Dietrich. Yeah. I got to pull up that episode when we had Scott Savage. I I'm know. Pre- I'm pretty where sure. You, where you bogarted. You bogarted you someone's armrest. You alpha. Holy crap. No way. No, I don't <laughs> yeah. give an armrest. If I'm on the, if, if I'm sitting in the aisle, I get both armrests. Uh, Hell no. You said, I'm not giving yeah, it this terrorism. All right. I'll, I'll review the tape. Review, play back. I'll review the tape. All right. Right. And then you can apologize by buying me something. I'll, I'll buy you priority boarding for your next Southwest flight. 
No thanks. <laughs> Buy me some cool. So if I'm in the aisle or the window, I yield the armrest to the person in the middle. And if I'm in the middle, I make no apologies. I just take up both armrests. That's sort of the silent contract of getting stuck in the middle seat. So I disagree with you on the, the center armrest thing. Like I, I full I wholeheartedly believe that there are no atheists on a Southwest Airlines flight with a sea boarding pass. <laughs> like I everyone there is praying, man. Like, don't put me in that middle seat because I'm terrified. But no, I like if you're there, I fully expect for you to like huddle up in like kind of a praying position and just kind of huddle forward. Let the adults that got you to the window of the aisle sit comfortably. And the other day when I was coming back from Vegas, that like, dude came in and like he knew his role. Like he sat down right next to me. And he's, he, he kind of shimmed it up and got it nice and, and quiet and leaned forward. And he just sat right there the entire flight. I was like, all right, you know, you know what's up. And by the way, I'm not above this. Like if I'm sitting or God forbid I have C and I have to sit in the middle somewhere. Yeah, uh, I, I will get as small as possible to make sure you are comfortable. And now back to our regularly scheduled program already in progress. All right. For our third topic, this will be our cryptocurrency story of the week. And it was just too funny not to share. Back in May of this year, the DEA, that's the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, seized over $500,000 in Tether cryptocurrency from two Binance accounts suspected to be linked to the narcotics trade. The cryptocurrency was rightfully sent to a hardware wallet and locked for safekeeping. Meanwhile, a scammer had been watching the blockchain and noticed when the DEA sent a test transaction of about $50 in tether cryptocurrency to the u.s marshals service so the u.s marshals service holds the cryptocurrency that's in custody that's been seized so even though the da seized it the u.s marshals actually hold on to it so it's part of the standard forfeiture process are they like a holdle like they're they're the holdle inflation all right the scammer quickly set up a cryptocurrency address that matched the first five and last four characters of the Marshall's account. So you can go online. There's yeah. the services you can generate. Uh, you can generate wallets that look really, really similar, but n- not the same because each wallet is unique. But if you can get at least the first couple and the last couple characters to match, they look similar at, at a quick glance. Nice. I love that. The scammer sent a small transaction to the DEA account, so it looked like the test payment made it to the marshals. The idea here is basically to trick the DEA into thinking the scammer's address was actually the correct U.S. marshals address. As you may know, cryptocurrency addresses are really long that people just usually copy and paste them instead of typing them in each time. Well, the scammer got lucky since the DEA sent $55,000 in tether cryptocurrency to the fake u.s marshal's address and the scammer quickly withdrew the money before the dea could figure out what had happened just goes to show how important it is to verify the entire address not just the first few and last few characters um, did, did they people, typo that was that for fifty dollars to fifty five thousand the heck was that about so they sent a test transaction for fifty dollars just to make sure it went through and they're like yep everything looks good okay send us the rest of the money wow. and they sent us 50, they sent 55,000 to the wrong address. Wow. I'm just going to say this. Like, I don't mind messing around with people here and there, 
U.S. Marshal's Office, DEA, not one of them, though. I don't know that. Yeah. Like, I want to try to scam someone out of 55 grand just to have those guys trying to knock on my door. No thanks, I'll pass. As long as you're in a non-extradition country, like you're in Russia or China, you probably are fine. But if you are in the U.S. or an extradition-friendly country, you're going to have a bad time scamming two U.S. federal agencies like that. I don't know I about that. I think the whole point of block... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. You know, you say that, but like Western Alliance Bank, I think they would send someone into Russia to kill you. Like they don't, they'll do it for five bucks just as a point of emphasis. They probably have goons over yeah. there right now. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought the whole point of blockchain was that you could not see all the transactions that were going through that they got mixed up as they went through the block, right? So maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe I don't totally understand how blockchain was used or was, was being watched. Oh, that that is the entire point of the blockchain is that every record is public. It's a public ledger. So you can see every single transaction that's ever happened on the blockchain. But uh, isn't there a series of blockchains? Is that is that the whole point of it, though, right? Yeah, again, well, maybe I'll have to go back and read up on it. But I, I'm, I'm a little confused on this one. So you can monitor the blockchain and look at all the transactions that have ever occurred or the transactions that are happening now. You can see which address sent or which wallet sent how much cryptocurrency to another wallet. Everything is is public there. Like Monero and Zcash, they try to conceal it a little bit. It's still a public ledger at the end of the day, but it's Mm -hmm. harder to figure out who has which wallet. So there's a little bit more privacy there, but for Bitcoin, Ether, Tether, all these things, there's it's pseudo anonymous because you get the wallet, but then now you have to link that wallet to a person. Gotcha. And I think the marshals have a lead because of the accounts that were used, like the sender and well, we know who the sender is, but the receiver, they're not quite sure who that is, but there was a, Binance account that paid the what are called gas fees, which are the fees you have to pay the Ethereum network to move things around. That is was a registered Binance account. That Binance account was registered to a Gmail address, and Google is a U.S. company, so the marshals have subpoena power. They can see who owns those Gmail accounts, so they think they might be able to trace who did it that way. I bet you it's an insider. It's it's, it's somebody that works for one of those two. The D, yeah. Yeah. Imagine the guy that just copied and pasted that that, that transaction and says, okay, let, let it go. Do you think he still has a job? Or is he protected by by being a, a government employee? I think being really stupid is part of the job for being a government employee. So it's on par. <laughs> it's on par. <laughs> Not surprised. Yeah, no, it's wise. But the, I mean, that's messed up. There's a lot of smart people there that want to do well. So. Actually, they they don't want to do well. They want to do good. I always say that, like, you're not doing good. Superman does good. You're doing well. But if you're part of the DEA or the U.S. Marshals, you are trying to do good. Nice recovery there, Brian. Yep, good recovery. Yeah, but even, even these U.S. federal agencies are not immune to these very basic types of attacks of basically wallet impersonation. Yep, and we'll see. They might try to get this guy and then he'll get his door kicked in or if he's in another country they might van the person and they just disappear until they get their money back yeah 
or chalk it up to a loss. It's fifty-five thousand out of you know five hundred thousand dollar seizure. But someone, someone in there has to write the register of where that fifty-five that fifty-five thousand dollar loss, right? I mean, you can't just let that escape. The government doesn't do that. They count down to the penny. Yeah, unless you're in the Pentagon, then there's trillions in untraceable money. They don't know where it went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about what seems like snake oil, but is actually 100% legit. You have to go first, Chris. I have to think about this one. I'll go by your example. For me, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking back, actually, to when I my days when I first started working. I was an IT manager, and it was my first job out of college. I was an IT manager, and... It was the first time I was at a like a a real desk job. I had done some work before, but it was this this was my first job that I was eight hours plus in front of a computer, keyboard, monitor, you name it. And then my work hired these people to come in to look at your how your desk was set up and if you needed a document holder, if you needed a monitor stand and all this. And I thought, oh, this is just a bunch of this this is just a huge scam that, you know, they certain you know, OSHA requirements require these people to be here and this isn't actually going to work but then it, it actually did and I, I don't want to say it was life-changing but it it made me think differently for sure so my first job desk job I was having horrible neck back and shoulder pain and I didn't know where it was coming from because I was you know uh, exercising at the time too but then they came in they looked at my space and they said oh this is set up all wrong like your keyboard's too far you're sitting too low your monitor's too low this is very likely why you're having neck shoulder and back pain and then they set up my space so i had i raised my monitor because i guess i was looking down all the time at my monitor so they raised it up so it's at eye level and then they fixed my keyboard they gave me a keyboard tray so if do you guys remember mavis beacon teaches typing was that before or after yeah. your time okay so you remember that no, I remember typewriters before me. So. <laughs> I remember Mavis Beacon teaches typing. It like the very first thing, even before you start to learn typing, it would it would it would show you like this is the proper way: sit up straight, hands at your waist, fingers curled, you know, eyes, you know, your your monitor should be here. And and I I never paid attention to that because I was we we did this in in middle school, but it, it's actually correct that your keyboard should be at that level it should be this distance from you you should be sitting in this position with your your feet you know touching the ground and if not you need a foot stand so they came in they fixed my workspace and that actually tremendously helped like it it changed it it changed my life for the better not having that that pain anymore and then not not only was my first job out of college a desk job, but I was also online gaming at that point. So I'd sit in at work in front of the computer for eight hours, and I'd go home and play online games for another eight hours. So you'd think of 16 hours a day in very poor posture, and then changing that to the correct posture uh, was definitely an improvement in my life. So I, I now fully believe in all those workspace efficiency people. They're actually there to help you, and it's not just a, a huge scam. So, so, so do you believe again, in the proving, split keyboards? Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. I said once again, just proving that uh, we can't believe that Chris not only is not a virgin, he's also married. <laughs> Eight hours a day gaming. <laughs> hey, 
yeah, and, and getting passed on cues from women. <laughs> <laughs> Misconnections there. <laughs> oh, Chris. No, so does that mean you believe in like split keyboards and those special mice that cup your hands and you don't have to move it around or, you know, what, what do you yes think of those yes. things? Yeah. yeah. I, <clears throat> I mean, I believe it now because I, and this is another thing. So I think another thing that I heard and I've learned, you should spend money where you spend the majority of your time. So if you, you're on the road driving a lot, you should actually buy a nice and comfortable car or things that help you with that. So for me, I'm on a keyboard. Every single job that I've had out of college, it's it's based around the keyboard. So even if my company wouldn't buy me an Ergo keyboard, I, I bought a nice one and I just take it with me to every company that I work with. Because I've used the standard keyboards. I've used Ergo keyboards. I've used the split ones. I found one that really, really works for me. It's a Logitech G something best keyboard I've ever used. And I take that with me. Same with the, the mouse. I spent $100 on this gaming mouse. And it's, you know, a lot of people will say, why do you spend $100 on a gaming mouse if I can get, you know, Microsoft mouse for 10 bucks? I said, well, I use this thing 16 hours a day. It's comfortable. It doesn't give me wrist pain. Like it's, it's worth it to spend the money on something to use a lot. How much time do you spend gaming today? Not much. I'm working all the time now. <laughs> you were working all the time before, so now you you work 16 hours. A day? <laughs> Is that so hard to believe, Brian? I mean, Grace, if you're listening, yeah. give us a call and validate this. Can you uh, can you help us validate this? <laughs> I mean, he did marry a woman that. Is kind of into gaming, right? She at least works for a gaming company, so I yeah. guess is your your alibi is, is is being validated here. <laughs> yeah, could explain why I have a crick in my neck right now. I've had it for the last five days, and maybe it's my posture. Don't know. Probably, but, yeah. If you fix your posture, yeah. I'm sure it'll it'll improve things. Yeah. How about you, uh, Vanilla Gorilla? So th- there's one that I was super skeptical of, and it was, uh, I'll start actually with foam rollers, right? Like, I remember looking at that, I'm like, that's stupid. Like, that doesn't do anything. I use a foam roller every single day of my life. I love that thing. It it really helps, like, break up the, uh, the fascia. I don't know, yeah. yeah, I'll have to explain we'll what is to our listeners. Yeah. yeah, this big old piece of, hard piece of foam that you just sit on or lay on and roll around. Like a damn grizzly bear trying to scratch your back. I mean, that's one position I do, but yeah, it's it's good for like for your legs and glutes. Like, yeah, uh, can't can't live without that. And sometimes, shoot, I'll do it two, three times a day. And then I learned about that because I actually had herniated two discs while doing stupid lifting of some nature. Don't do uh, deadlifts, anyone. I think it's dumb unless you're a paid athlete. Anyways, uh, the other one would be related to that. I had hurt my back so bad. That when I had, like, I was just laying on the couch and when I had to take a, I would crawl on all fours and then like, kind of like, try kind of like doggy style the, the toilet to try to be able to pee. Like it was so bad. And I went in and I was trying to like, are we doing surgery to fix this problem? And I went and saw this chiropractor snake oil. Right. And then he's like, yeah, like do this, do that. And then he busts out this thing and I'm like laying on my on my stomach and he it's like this i only i don't even know what it really looks like i think it's like a gun and all you hear is like very very little pressure like going in about the size of like your finger on your back and you just hear a click 
He's like, yeah, it's called like the activator method. And uh, we're just doing these micro adjustments. I was like, dude, you're stupid. Right? And, like I remember like crawling in. It took like 10 minutes just to get into the office. Uh, it was embarrassing. And by the time I left the office, I was able to stand upright off of these 20 micro adjustments. And I continued to go there for like six months and got better and better and better. And so, yeah, I was skeptical of that thing. But Jesus, it worked. And no surgery. So, amen. Yeah. Amen to Speaking that. of which, I've got an appointment tomorrow to go see a chiropractor. So, just because of my neck. So I would. Don't go to the ones that, like, do the, the the big old, like, shift you around and he's cracking. Yeah. yeah. The activator meth is legit, man. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I, I'm much more simpler. You know those, you know those slicing machines, <laughs> those chopping machines. Like they work. Like the slap chop. <laughs> They're fun to use. That's not the slap chop because the slap chop you just you take your food and you just slap it up and down. The more you this slap the it, the finer like it mandolin. gets. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the mandolin. I love those things. Those things are awesome. But the, the only thing I don't like about them is just the setup. The setup and the cleanup. It just takes forever. The setup so, and the threat that you'll slice the tip of your finger off. Yeah, yeah, but you're supposed to use those guards, right? So, but my daughter got one, and I thought it was actually really cool. Yeah, so I think I think it'd be like me and my wife. We do couponing. I bought one of those big old things to get all the coupons and cut through it. <laughs> that way, you can go bankrupt the businesses. Yeah, you know what snake oil? I'll tell you what snake oil is. Buying a, a fifteen hundred dollar treadmill, <laughs> you're gonna get all there. <laughs> That, that is snake oil. This thing's been doing nothing but like drying like towels. Clothes hanger now. Last year. <laughs> yeah, it's a very expensive clothes hanger, which reminds me, I should go use it. So, I, there <laughs> gym, membership me, is, gym membership is snake oil. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think Doug Stanhope had a joke about that. He, he bought himself like a Bowflex for like a, a quit smoking gift. He goes, now this mm-hmm. is something I look at when I smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll go for one one more. Another thing, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily snake oil, but I wasn't a believer. I'll, I'll say that. So, a number of years ago, I did the the whole P ninety X thing, and with P ninety X, the the thought was you do you work out ninety minutes a day for five days a week or something, and you're you're guaranteed to get super fit. And each day does a different muscle group, and they alternate certain muscle groups. So you can blow out one muscle group, and then you can still work out the next day. And I remember one of the days was yoga. So I said, okay, well, I'm doing hardcore chest, back, legs, all that. And I'm like, why would I do yoga? Like, that seems like a step back from, from things. And then I think my wife, or my she was my girlfriend at the time, she encouraged me to do it. I was like, you know, I should try it. And I thought this is something that that soccer moms do. Like, well, why would I do yoga? So I'm like, all right, fine. You know, I'll, I'll give it a try. And then I, I tried it once. I'm like, oh, wow, this this is actually really, really intense. And this is actually a decent workout just like as intense as chest and back day or or leg day so i'm a firm believer that yoga is actually a legitimate form of of exercise so you can see chris now on friday mornings doing hot yoga with rocks (laughs) (laughs) at the the local gym (laughs) i actually did hot yoga with with grace and i had a legit sweat stain on the back of my shirt by by the end i was like soaked well yeah because it's you're in a sauna the you should be soaked it's hot yoga. Yeah. The, the room is like 90 plus degrees, right? Or yeah, I think it's almost 100, 100, 100 something, yeah. Yes. You were just sweating, a, just being, just sitting inside there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a terrible case of the old bat wings as well? <laughs> bat wings? Bat wings. What's a, you what's don't know a bat what bat wing? wings are? A bat wing. No. 
Uh, I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but there's people legitimately <laughs> laughing right now. You got to Google that one yourself. I'll tell you what, you should Uh-oh. have had bat wings anytime you're in Arizona or anywhere humid. You'll have bat wings all the time. There, I'll have to look that one up on Urban Dictionary. Actually, I'll send you a picture of my bat wings to you. All right. What is that? Okay, okay this okay, this this went downhill real quick. Yeah, you know I'm going to have to edit <laughs> this entire segment out. <laughs> You can, leave, you can leave the bat wings in there. So. Just can't say just what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Brian's up. You guys will never believe this one. My wife said she wanted a divorce the other day because I was too un-American. I'm shocked. <laughs> I saw it coming a kilometer away. <laughs> <laughs> wah, 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 wah. that would never be true alright to wrap things up the FBI did something useful for a change Barracuda email appliances are still not safe the DEA gets scammed out of crypto and good posture is more important than you think that's all I have for this week we hope you enjoyed this week's episode You can find us on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pepcac Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who raised five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pepcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. Our co-host Brian Nietzsche and Glenn Medina. I'm Chris Lloyd. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. Have a nice day.